Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxander Hodge. Nice to have you on with me again this week. Uh, today, I have a special colleague on, uh, John Baker. Uh, John uh, and I met, um, I'm going to think, about a month ago or so when I had the privilege of um, being on his podcast and um, with a fascinating topic that John focuses on, which is about introverts. That being said, um, I'm, I'm the one that's called a chatterbox in my family and the middle child of six children. Um, and I was always trying to find my spot. So I'm the introvert that, you know, extrovert that was ready in the front and center. And, um, John, um, is a self-proclaimed introvert. So John does a lot of work with introverts, but what I'm, if, I'm interested in is his work, but also him, uh, coming from the perspective of someone that's introverted, how he kind of got into this kind of uh, the world of uh, working, uh, training, and speaking with introverts. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Roxanne. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a subject, as you know, because we spoke about it for quite a while off air, that I kind of get get excited about. But um, I think you, you asked a nice question there, which is, how did I get involved? I've been, I've been involved in management, training, um, leadership for many, many years. I, you know, when I was, in fact, far more years than I even care to think about now. But um, so originally in retailing and then in B2B, training sales teams around Europe, etc. Till the day I said, right, I'm going to stop all of that. I'm going to work for myself. So I've been working for myself for about, ooh, getting on for 20 years now. And coaching organizations and leaders in organizations and initially you know it wasn't around introversion initially it was around strategy it was around business development and leadership and then about two or three years ago I was I, I, I restructured my life and I was looking to 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 create a stronger niche or niche as you might say, might call it I think but um and so I, I was reflecting on a lot of the work that I've done and the times when the times when I've I've been more effective as a coach, the times when I've enjoyed my work more and I've I felt I've got more from it, and the times when the best results came out. And very often, when I look back on it, it's when I've been working with or about, and the subjects have been largely around introverts. And so that's when I started to say, you know what, there's something in here. I'm going to start writing a book, I'm going to start doing some research around the area. And so the, the specialists and the niches de deepened since then, I think is probably the, the best way to put it. And it kind of started quite often with people saying, you know, if you're working with somebody who, who might sit there and say, in my team, there's, there's, there's two. And there always seem to be every single team has to, seems to have two or three people that never speak up. And the leader says to me, well, what shall I do about them? I think I just got to get rid of them. They clearly don't have any ideas. They never say anything. And what a waste of time. And you kind of look at them and you, because because I was working differently with them, 
I could go, wait, hang on. I know they know a load of stuff. I know they're really good. So it's not any of that. So what's going on? And very often it's the way that they were being treated. And it's interesting because when I started to, to do the research and I've done, I've spoken to about 450, 500 business people now, both introvert and extrovert, about productivity and some of the issues that affect them. And about 40% of people will sit there and say quietly to me, they might not say it to their boss, but quietly to me, they'll say they're not properly productive, which is kind of shocking. Although you know, I speak to HR people and they go, oh, that's about right. But then what I did was kind of like an onion, I unpeeled a few more layers and tried to find out what. And there's three things where these three things overlap is the, the greatest problem. Number one, communication style within the company. Number two, company culture, which let's be honest, is very much based around the communication style. And number three, introversion. So where you've got an introvert that has has a is working in a company where there's a culture which is very much more extrovert, which is very much more perhaps ego driven, and there's a particular type of communication style, the introverts weren't as productive. In other words, they were being pushed to one side. So I started to explore that and go, hey, what's actually happening here? So that's where it came from. Interesting, right? Because um, I think of the organizations that I've worked with, and I'm curious, uh, with sales organizations or subsets of organizations in sales, um, what happens to introverts in those environments? Is it is it a different experience for them? Um, because productivity is productivity at the end of the at the end of the line, right? But I know that oftentimes within companies, and I think of the companies that I've worked with or for, um, you know, sales is about the kind of the rah rah, front of the line, ego based, you know, kind of egocentric kind of um, subculture within the culture. So mm -hmm. I'm curious with your experience with introverts, how do they fare in in those kind of subsets of organizations? I think there's a couple of interesting things here. So the first thing for me is just just the direct question, which people sometimes say is, can introverts make good salespeople? And the answer to me is absolutely yes. A very good friend of mine wrote the, the book, uh, Networking for Dummies, great, great friend, Ben Kench. And I was chatting to him at great length on this. And we both kind of went, you know what? There's an old saying, particularly in the UK, that um, people have got two of these, on one of these and salespeople should use them in that proportion but as you probably know most um, most extroverts tend to use them in the opposite proportion mm -hmm. so can introverts sell yeah because they're very good at listening and then asking the right questions which sometimes um, some of our more extroverted colleagues get carried away and, and keep talking so so that's kind of answering the direct question about can they sell and then of course your question was about how are they in those organizations? And I think, again, the more extroverted, the more ego-driven the organization, the less, the less the introverts feel comfortable within that organization. Mm -hmm. And yet, the reason why I started saying, hey, this is a leadership issue, is because it's the leaders that set the communication style and the leaders that set the culture. Absolutely. So you... Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if the leadership is looking for 
quote unquote extroversion as, as, a, as an indicator of performance in sales, that's gonna direct potentially how their culture views uh, their sales teams. But really at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about um, bottom lines and productivity at the end of the day. Mm. And if you interface accordingly from what you're saying, I often say that introverts, they topple me over sometimes because they will come up with such a subset of points that I'm, I'm oftentimes too far ahead and then, then they'll pull me back because they, they are able to synthesize um, their points of view into one overall strategic kind of objective. And I go, where did that come from? Because <laughs> right? I'm getting there, but I'm yeah. probably getting there um, at a slower pace because I'm, I'm, like you said, oftentimes I'm talking. Mm. Um, and uh, the, the, some of the best um, people that have taught me to be a better listener generally has been an introvert. Mm. I think there's an interesting thing in that that you just said. Many, and this comes down to a kind of semi-definitional thing, if I can put it like that. Many people will talk about introverts, and rightly so, as having, shall we say, feeling de-energized when they spend a lot of time with people and needing to recharge their batteries by being on their own. It's a bit like um, some of the old, old, really old mobile phones with some of the old batteries. You, as, soon as, you, as soon as you took them out of the dark room and unplugged them and did that bit where you needed to, you, you spoke to them, you could yeah. see the battery going. <laughs> and yes. um, so introverts very much about recharging alone, whereas extroverts stereotypically are the opposite way around. Now, lots of people will talk about that. There is actually some neuroscientific background to that around dopamine and acetylcholine makeup and, and um, sensitivity. But let's push that one to one side before we all fall asleep. <laughs> the, other, the other thing, which is why I mentioned this one, which is quite interesting, most of the introverts I speak to are what I would call internal processors, whereas most of the extroverts are external processors. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like in a, in a business, in a, in a typical meeting even? You ask the introvert the question, they stop and they're processing the answer inside their head. Mm -hmm. And typically they want to come out with the best, the most structured, the most, exactly as you said, synthesized piece that links all the bits together. Mm -hmm before they open their mouth and speak. Whereas the extrovert typically will fire words straight back out. And that's their way of thinking. It's not good, it's not bad, it's, it's just different. It's not, at the end of the day, it's not, not even any faster because when you get to the end of the result, as you said, it's about joining all the bits together to come out what's the best answer. So there is some background to, to exactly what you said about processing. It's different ways people think. However, the downside is, and this is why I mentioned the meetings thing, very often some people don't like gaps in the conversation. So somebody might ask me a question or throw a question out into a meeting. And what typically happens? The extroverts externally process and so they start firing answers out there. The introverts stop, think, and, and might come out with the answer a second later they're not slow they're just thinking differently and the, the problem with that is of course you then go oh they've all started talking i'll shut up and quite often we find that the introvert answer is well unless they feel incredibly strongly about something they're not going to be prepared to batter their way into an extroverted conversation where words are just flying around yeah yeah and then there, there's part of the problem and that's why 
that's why it, it's important whether it's in meetings in discussions however we like to look at it to, to make that space for the whole team to become involved and so I don't look at it and say oh it's about restructuring things for introverts when I work with leaders I say well if I said to you 40% of your your business is not properly productive due to your communication style and your culture would you want to do something and hell yes is the normal answer absolutely and so that's about yeah. creating the space in the way we work and that's so interesting right you said about 35 to 40 percent that's a substantive amount of your mm. population and let's say and i'm this is a I'm, I'm interested in this let's say you're how many ceos have you of companies have you worked with or been interfaced with or know of that are introverted and how does that impact culture um, well, well, it's quite interesting, actually. So firstly, are there introverted CEOs? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, we don't always think of them, but some of, some of the ones that might jump up, you, your listeners may have heard of Microsoft. Yes. Um, they may have heard of, um, oh, I can't call it Facebook now, I have to call it Meta. Um, <laughs> yes. And then we're talking, so we're talking big CEOs. So is introversion a blockage to being a really successful business person? No, it's not. Um, but very often I've, I've worked with business owners who are introverted and some of them are absolutely get this stuff and they try and create the relevant culture for the introverts. Some of them, however, have kind of batted their way to the top through dogged diligence and desire. But because they've grown up in a, let's call it an extroverted biased world, they then start to run things in an extroverted way because that's the model they've learned. And right. so it's when you stop and point them out, point out to them what's going on, they're like, oh, yeah. And there's a big, big light bulb goes on. So, so it's not just to sit there and say introverted leaders get this stuff and extroverts don't. It's, it's because of the way that we all tend to work, especially, I think, in a, in a Western business society. Right. And looking at, like, with my new book, um... Uh, ROR, Return on Relationships, I talk about the leader really looking within him or herself to understand what they value and, you know, what, is, what you know, what, like you said, if the introverted person has to kind of, you know, um, bat their way up in that extroverted world, there's going to be, you know, prongs that they're going to get stuck into at times and they might overcompensate, but to also understand that from a, a, a macro level to say, what is it that I need to look at within myself as a leader, whether an introvert or an extrovert, to create the culture that you're looking for to impact, you know, all creativity, engagement, you know, um, all those fantastic things that eventually impact the bottom line, right? So, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at it from that perspective, absolutely, you know. Yeah, and I think one of the first things I often see and oh, people come back to me with it's, it's always those couple of people over there that, that, never, that never say anything in meetings. And then my next question is quite often, tell me about the rest of the group. Oh, well, there's, there's quite a number of them that sometimes do, and there's, and there's two or three that never shut up in the meeting. So, so all I'm going to say is if that's the situation, that's one of the first things to reflect on, because what's going on, the first thing you probably need to do to create space for the introverts to participate more is shut these guys up here. And that's a, it's quite an interesting reflection. And that, that's an incredibly simple one. And it, and it has big, big impact. It, and it's not about 
as I said, it's not about going, I've got to got to make make space for these snowflakes or whatever some people might like to call them. It is about going, how do I increase overall creativity and productivity in the team? Because the different ways of thinking come up with really different and much more sustainable answers. And so sometimes it's as simple as going, um, right, I'm po posing the question, but holding back some of the, the ones that respond much more quickly. And there's various ways of doing that. And anybody that's a trainer will recognize the following one. Okay, don't answer the following question. Please don't say anything. Write your answer down. And of course, as trainers, they'll do it on post-it notes, they're going to stick it on the wall, they'll rewrite. Mm. It's and yet most of us are aware of that. And yet it's when you understand the science and what's going on behind it in terms of introversion and thinking space, you suddenly go, ah, everyone's a bit more engaged because they took the time to write something down. And because I as an introvert have taken the time to express that, even if only in writing, I thought it through and everyone hasn't started firing off. So I'm a bit more engaged already. So once I'm more engaged, I'm more likely to continue being engaged. So uh, leaders need to be aware of what's in front of them and look at their styles in reference to engagement mm. and really alter it and think about, you know, if it's if it's always these two people that are answering or, you know, um, sometimes, like I say, there's often one or two people that like to hear their voice in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of, you know, okay, think, okay, I, I don't have to worry about those two. They're going to tell me what they think, regardless if I ask them or not. Mm. And there's people kind of that are in the middle. And there's oftentimes the people that are quite quiet. So gauging that internally with yourself as a leader to say, I know there's value um, in this room, period. Mm. And how is it that I'm going to make it safe enough psychologically emotionally um and like you said create different avenues to be able to afford those individuals to be able to share information because i think if you're thinking you're not looking at your entire room and i would say most leaders have the capacity to do this however sometimes they might you know fall into those traps where, where it's easy to kind of go with the people that speak up yeah, oh, absolutely. It's, it's a it's a habitual thing, isn't it? You, especially if you're asking a, a question which you're and you're you're still trying to a listen to the content of the discussion as well as join in as well as manage the process of the discussion. It's mm -hmm. very easy to fall into that trap of letting the conversation flow because it's easier. It might be easier, but it's not easier to get to a better result. It's just easier to get a conversation flowing. So one of the other things you can quite often do is don't facilitate your own meetings. Stop and get somebody else. That way you as a leader can focus on the content and you get somebody else to run the meetings. And here's the interesting thing. Guess what? Who do you think in the room tends to be very good at listening to all the views, summarizing, synthesizing, and then holding questions and, and holding the pace at the meet, of the meeting to, to include everybody? Introverts tend to make very, very good facilitators as well. I'm not saying only use introvert facilitators, but they tend to be good once they go, oh, yeah, I'm the, 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 the person running this group really wants me and values me. They're getting me to do this. And suddenly, again, you've got this, this growth in uh, engagement very generally, which starts to lead on to some of the things around productivity. And, of course, retention, the other big one. I was asked yesterday, had a client ring me up and absolutely shocked, 
absolutely shocked because she said to me, the best person in her business had suddenly handed in her notice with no, no, you know, she completely, completely broadsided by it. And we talked about it. And um, we talked about the fact that what this person clearly hadn't done is expressed how dissatisfied they were going. Well, they had done, but just in micro ways over the last three or four months but they hadn't been listened to. And needless to say, because because it's my story, it's going to be, isn't it? But needless to say, it was an introverted member of staff that had suddenly handed their notice. Uh, And I'm not saying it's only introverts that ever leave, but it was quite interesting that they had expressed and they made little micro statements over the three or four months rather than kind of splurging out going, I'm fed up with this and doing the drama queen thing. Right, because I would say expressive people let you know when they're not happy. Oh yeah. Right, and you know, um, you know, I think of my son, and he, you know, he says to me, "Mom, I'm not like you." He goes, "I'm an introvert." I said, "I think," I said, "I think I was an introvert." Yuri, she goes, "I don't think so, Mom," because he's <sighs> the type when we have conversations. Because I will often say, "So tell me what you think," and he'll look at me with this blank stare, and I, and he'll go, "I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Mom," and I'm like. So it's interesting, right? Like that introverts will have a lot of things going on for them. But to your point, they still, they need to kind of go backwards in their brain to think, okay, if I'm going to say one thing, I'm going to make it stick. And, uh, you know, RJ, my son is, a, is, he's great for me that way because I always go, so like, what's happening? I've said this, 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 this. And he's like, I need to get back to you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> because the introvert, the extrovert in me wants the answer right now. And then he'll say, well, no, I thought about it. And I thought this, this, and this, but I didn't like this. And I thought about this. And I'm like, wow, you got all of that out of that little conversation. But there's a part of me that wants it immediately. So I think that example you use, John, is amazing because that should show companies that how are you, how are you looking into um feedback like or how are you gauging the pulse of your of your teams or the different subsets of your business is it based on what the manager is saying or you know or is it really is there other ways that you're collating how well people are feeling you know i thought the other interesting thing in your 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 discussion with your son and what you clearly did you made space for him to answer, which is brilliant. What a lot of people don't do, even in one-to-one conversations, particularly extroverts, they'll fire out the question. And then just as you said, hang on, I want to get on. I want, I want to know the answer. One didn't come back. So what do they now do? They go on and start to answer it themselves. And they move on and jump on. Whereas the introverted person is still sitting there going, oh, of course, what you're actually training somebody to do by by continually speaking once you've asked the question, you're training them that you're not interested in their answer. So you're shutting down growth, right? Because I yeah. would think I know when I coach, you know, in more introverted people versus extroverted people, I can say to them, uh, the extrovert, I could say, so like, what was the best part of this? Was the, what was the worst part of it? And what is it that you need to focus on? Mm. But the introvert will say to me. I will ask the question on the beginning of this on uh, the follow-up session to say, I know we, we talked about a ton last week and I'm just wondering um, what was your biggest giveaway, your takeaway 
and where would you like to focus this week? So it's not that you're not asking the same question, but you're you're maybe uh, prefacing it based on the context of the personality mm. that's in front of you. Yeah, or or the other thing to do that I've known several people do is they ask the same question. If they don't get an answer within the first few seconds, they'll ask again in a very slightly different way. Mm. So that what you're doing, you're trying to effectively you're undoing all the, the bad training you've given before. Because in not letting somebody answer, you're training them, you're not interested. So you've got to undo that that training first. So ask again in a slightly different way, or set it up in the way that you just said by by helping them to, to restructure that question. But wait so, for that answer. So I'm curious when companies, when you deal with, I mean, obviously this is a team issue. It's not a, mm. like you said, it's not an introvert, extrovert kind of, nope. you're looking at subset, you get called mm. in, maybe there's productivity or issues, or maybe people are trying to kind of um, look at their kind of the metrics for the quarter or overall strat plan, mm-hmm. like you said, that you worked with. So how do you work with an organization that says calls you in and says, you know, I, I know we're we're doing well, let's say, right? We're doing well, but we, there's room. And I mm. want to, to figure out what kind of uh, gaps are there or what kind of things are missing to optimize the productivity, say, of my senior leadership team. What How would you approach that, John, when you work with one? Them? One of the first things would be to stop and listen, sit, sit through sit through a couple of meetings with that senior leadership team. Um, quite often, actually, and you'll get this one as well, you'll be told, oh, there's two members of the senior leadership team that are struggling a lot more than the others. And so rather than sitting and listening to the whole senior leadership team, it might be about sitting in with the the team meetings of those couple of the senior leadership team so that you can start to go, well, what's going on? Because then you're in a position where you can start to play that back and you can start to ask questions to help people unlock what's going on. Of the kind of things we've just been talking about today. So rather than me sitting there saying, you or never let them answer the question, you know that's not going to work. But it is about listening and then asking questions to help people reflect, as as all coaches do, as, as I'm sure you do all the time. Absolutely. And I think... To your point, um, and sometimes people, when they know they're being looked at in a meeting, sometimes they're going to give you what they think you need. And then to have different ways of collecting that information, but asking kind of Mm. as as standardized as possible questions, I would think, to see, you know, what what kind of themes or patterns are coming Mm. out. So let's say you're a a CEO or senior leader and you're you're looking, um, you're saying, "Hmm, boy, I'm kind of guilty of this culprit that we've been talking about. I kind of go to the person that's front of the line, the loudest person, and I need to enhance my skills as a leader. Um, You've already given us some point. What other tips could you give those leaders to enhance their capacity to listen in a different way? I think one of the other ones is to to ask yourself the question about what the value of, of doing this is. Because we're all, as leaders, we're used to going, you know, talking about business cases, et cetera. So what's the business case in, in helping those, waiting for those two people to answer their questions? What's going on? Because if you start to reflect on the value that they bring in different ways, they might not bring it immediately out in team meetings, but what's the value they bring to the organisation? Because if there is some good value in there, then it, it's much clearer how you can get extra value by enhancing it. 
So looking at it from a value proposition mm. um, to, because like, I mean, if you think you have a team of 15 <laughs> and 40% of that, and then thinking individually. So you're really talking, and I often talk about leaders really, even though I know everybody's busy, you have to get to know who's in front of you. Yep. And what do Absolutely. they bring to the table? Because sometimes it's kind of like a, you know, a hope and pray that I'm, I'm going to, come up with a strategy and it's going to hit everybody. But if you don't know individually um, what the value is, you know, who is John or who is Roxanne and what's important. Not that I'm saying you need to, oftentimes leaders will say, you know, I can't get really, really personal. I'm not suggesting, you know, everything about the person's lives, but what makes them, like you said, what is their value? And Mm. also what, what are, what do they value? Yeah. Ask, you know, ask that question. Yeah. 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 What is think, what is the outcome that they're looking for in their yeah. lives as being part of whatever um, team that they're working on and things yeah. like that? So that way it could be more of a, a two-way dialogue. So that yeah. when you're running your meetings as well, I would think that you're you're wanting to think that through. Yeah. Are there things that leaders might want to do cut off immediately that might stumble um, their yeah. process? I think the first things I always sit there and say is zip it ask a question shut your mouth and that that's i know it's a really simple one i know it's a really obvious one but it is time and time again the thing that i see happening is um because as i said earlier we by answering for somebody we train them we're not interested in them and then you know then we go on and talk about retention rates and uh, the great resignation and of course one of the things that drives that is when people don't feel as if you're interested in them so, so do, you know, consciously zip it when you ask questions. Give, give longer as a space of time for somebody to answer. Probe again in a slightly different way if you need to. But, mm-hmm. but start to do that. And, and that, that's, that's as a one-to-one. And the, the equivalent, of course, in the team meeting is, is asking and phrasing the whole thing differently. Another really, really silly one, because... Right, we all know because we've been told since we were this high that when you're running a meeting, you must always send out the agenda mm-hmm. early. How many of us do it? <laughs> oh, I couldn't do it. I was too, I was too busy. So Very guilty, often. <laughs> we're, we're starting the meeting now. Here's the agenda. Sorry, I was really busy. Actually, it takes no more no more time to prepare the agenda ten minutes before you go into the meeting than it does a week before the meeting. But what it's allowing the internal processes in the room to do is to stop and think about how they're going to add value to that meeting. So the external process will just happily wing it and fire away stuff anyway. The internal ones can sit there and go, right, okay, here's something I want to structure my thoughts on in advance. Here's how I will answer that question. Again, you're you're getting more engagement into that. So some of these things, are they rocket science? No, I'd love to sit there and say there was some amazing answer, Roxanne, that only I know of in the whole world, and that's why you need me. The truth is, it is about stopping and taking the time to understand why some of these things that we probably do know about, but we don't do. And it's either because we don't appreciate the value of the thing or the value of the person. You know, and I'm just listening to you, and I'm thinking how many times I've been guilty of that. You know, over the years and when and my you know because you're you're right you're like oh i forgot to send this out i should have mm. you know and something as basic as that um, and how that would help you me as the leader as well mm. yeah. it really did help when i would because everybody knew what to expect and you this is the 30 minute meeting this is the outcome 
this is the discussion that that's on the table. You know, we have five minutes to discuss any go forward things, all those things, mm -hmm. that structure of the meeting too is also very, creates again, that context of what I go to safety, right? Like, I know what mm -hmm. this is about. I know it's not going to take a whole afternoon. I know it's not going to be willy nilly, everybody throwing everything out, but there's a structure to it. And then, you know, um, for individuals that need to synthesize a little bit more, it helps them to get a bit more concise. Now, John, I'm sure people listening would want to know um, where they can get a hold of you and um, if they wanted to chat with you and maybe even do a discovery call, where would uh, where would they get a hold of you? So either on LinkedIn, which is really easy, that's John Baker, which is J-O-N, or on my website, which is introvertsinbusiness.co.uk. Awesome. Nice well, and thanks. Easy. Thanks so much for being here. And what am I learning? I think, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at understanding, but sometimes I get a miss. And if I'm a, a miss in a conversation to back up, to, for me to say, ask for time to step back. And because I think oftentimes, you know, people may not think because they're, you know, you're kind of going down the, you know, the trajectory. <laughs> you're thinking there's mm. no way for me to back up, but I don't want to look stupid. So I don't know what to do, but to even just say, you know what, I'm a little bit ahead of myself here. I've not thought this through. Mm, um, I like I'd, like, I I'd like to slow down. How, can you help me out with that? Even? Mm. So I think engaging is something that I think I from our conversation today, I think would help me um, also in uh, my various roles that I play. So again, John, I, thanks so I, much. I, for tell that. you what, though, Roxanne, I really like that question because in it, you just sat there and said, "I'm getting a bit of my head myself. I'd like to slow down. Can you help me?" And how do we? When somebody says, "Can you help me?" We all say, "Yes, love to." <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. So for everyone uh, listening, um, I'm about to release my new book, um, ROR, Return on Relationships, How to Amplify Resilient Teams. Um, I'm going to be talking about it a lot, uh, reaching out um, uh, to me if you'd like to know a bit more. Um, you can just uh, hit the link at the bottom and book a discovery call with me. So again, John, John, thanks for your time. And everyone, thanks for hanging in there with John and I. And I look forward to connecting with everyone. Please. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.